0: Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. If you have a Bible with you, go ahead and get that out and uh, turn with me to the book of Genesis and I think we'll start in chapter 28 today. And uh, we are actually going to finish up the book of Genesis today. So we are going to go through about 20-something chapters uh, today. And uh, don't worry, we'll be passing out sack lunches, and uh, and dinner will be here around 5.30. So uh, no, I'm just kidding. We're, we'll, uh, we'll breeze through it today. Um, but I hope you guys have enjoyed our time in Genesis. I know it was a quick, uh, quick visit here in this book, but uh, man, we really wanted to take some time. So hey, Uh, if you are new to church and you're like, hey, I don't have a Bible, uh, don't worry, we are going to put the words on the screen, but I would encourage you today um, to use your phone or a tablet, and we encourage that. We want you to engage with God's Word today, Um, and so you may see something you like and you want to underline it or highlight it or copy and paste it or whatever, and so um, so I want to encourage you, just use a Bible app, follow along today uh, with God's Word, all right? So let me give you guys a little recap. This is your first time with us, or Kathy, I know it's summer and we've got people coming in and out uh, throughout the summer. So let me give you a little recap of where we've been in the book of Genesis so far. So the book of Genesis is a big book and the book of Genesis means beginning. Everyone say beginning. Beginning. All right. I'm sorry. I've been at kids camp all week and I know you guys can, can do a little bit better than that. Everybody say beginning. Okay. Yeah. I don't need you to yell at me. I just, no, I'm just kidding. That's good. All right. So, so listen, the the word Genesis just means the beginning. And the reason we've, we've gone through this as a church is because we realize we have a lot of people in our church who are new believers or people who aren't believers yet. When I say believer, I just mean following Jesus. And so this whole church thing, this whole Bible thing might be a little new to you. And uh, and so we want to take some time and talk about some of the stories that you may hear referenced all the time. That you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard of of Abraham, yeah. Yeah, but you don't really know much about Abraham, and so it just gives us a chance to talk about that. Uh, we also have a lot of uh, people who grew up going to church, who maybe, maybe you haven't been to church in like 10 years, but you at least grew up going to church and you heard some of these stories. The problem is all you remember are the coloring sheets that were attached to it, and it's been a minute since you've actually read the story in the Bible, and so we want to depend on what God says about the story, not just about maybe what we remember from what when we were five because we've changed a lot since then, right? And so, so that, that's kind of where we're at and, and why we've gone through this book. The last reason is because I want you to learn how to read the Bible, okay? And, uh, and this is really important for us because uh, if I could teach you anything as your pastor, like if something, uh, God forbid, were to happen to me tomorrow, like I would, I would hope that I could leave here and I could teach you how to do two things. Number one, that you would learn how to pray that you would, you would feel more confident in praying to God, and number two, that you would feel more confident in being able to read your Bible. Um, because I believe that if you're a follower of Jesus, you can do those two things. Uh, man, you can change the world. And, uh, and so I, I just, that's what I hope. And so I hope going through Genesis, you read through it and go, man, that was really cool. All he did was read it. I could do that. <laughs> and you'd go do it, and I hope, hope that's what happens, but I also hope what you see is that every week, whether it, it was me, I know Wes brought a message as well uh, on Abraham, that you notice that we don't stay with Noah. We don't stay with creation. We don't stay with Abraham. We don't stay with Jacob. We're being in the old As soon as we can, we talk about the story, and then we get to Jesus right? Because everything in the Old Testament and everything in Genesis, guys, is pointing us to Jesus coming. Jesus is the fulfillment and the answer for everything that's been lacking in the book of Genesis. And so I hope you see that, and I hope you'll see that uh, again today, all right? So we talked about creation. uh, We talked about the flood. We talked about Noah. We talked about Father Abraham. uh, We talked about Jacob last week. Jacob was so much fun. I really loved uh, talking about Jacob last week uh, because he's just a character man he's crazy uh, and really messed up too and so i love talking about jacob if you missed that you can go back and check out the podcast or live stream um, on that last week it's really good but now we're gonna end our series today talking about a guy named joseph so if you're taking notes you can just write up at the top uh joseph joey joe whatever whatever nickname you want to give to him all right um josephus Whatever you want to do, all right? Um, and so we're going to be talking about Joseph. Now, here's what's interesting about Joseph is that in the book of Genesis, uh, does anybody know who wrote the book of Genesis? Yeah, well, God did, right? Um, so, so you're wrong. But, no, I'm just always trying to trick people. Um, most, God wrote Genesis through Moses, all right? So Moses penned uh, the book of Genesis that we get. But here's the thing about books of the Bible that you may not know. Um, is that we, like, once we started translating the Bible, we thought it would be better to read it by putting chapters and verses on it, okay? So the original, like Moses, he didn't put, like, chapter 26, you know, Jacob. Like, he didn't do that, all right? He just wrote the story. And because what God was telling them to write, we later went back and said, we need to organize this thing because it is all over the place. And so we went in and put chapters and verses to make it easier for us to read. Okay. Um, Now Moses didn't do that. So a lot of times when we read the Bible, guys, it wasn't meant always for us to read it by chapter and verse. It wasn't like the Bible wasn't written by the original authors and by God for us just to read one verse at a time. It was meant for us to read it by thought or by idea. Um, or in Genesis, even I'm going to use the word character, but I don't want you to think they're fake. Okay. These are real people and real stories that actually happen. So don't think like comic book character. Like these are these are characters, but they are real people. Okay, this really happened. And so Moses, as he's writing this, he wouldn't have expected us to segment so much of the story. He would have expected us to take it, you know, idea at a time. So we would have taken creation and just read all of creation. You guys remember when we did that about a month ago? And then we would have taken like Cain and Abel, right? Or the Tower of Babel and Noah. We have taken an idea by idea. And so today we're going to take Joseph. So out of all the cool stories in the Bible, right? Eve, um, The flood, um, Cain and Abel, creation, Adam and Eve, um, Jacob, Isaac, Abraham, out of all the stories in the Bible, God spends the most time on Joseph. So out of all the thoughts and ideas and all of Scripture, or not Scripture, but the book of Genesis, like we hear more about Joseph than we do any other story that's in the Bible. All right. So I want you guys to think. So we're going to pick up. Here's the reason I think that. I think that because this story has the highest implications of God's plan completely unraveling. Okay. Like if you're, I don't know if you're a movie watcher. All right. If you're someone who likes to watch movies, maybe you've seen the old classic Bolt uh, with the dog. You know. Um, But I don't know if you're a if you're a movie watcher. But. Sorry, that tickled me. Um, But no matter what, like, I just, I think, like, the the best movie has this, always this part where you go, man, that's impossible. There's no way they're going to get out of this. There's no way that this ends well. And Joseph is that story. Like, you would read it and go, there's no way this is going to end well. Like it looks like all the promises of God are going to last like just a measly amount of time because it's all about to fall apart here with Joseph. So the point is, God's made a covenant. Everybody say covenant. Covenant. Okay, the word covenant just means promise. God's made a promise with his people that from his people, he is going to save people from every nation on planet Earth okay? He's made that promise. But it it keeps getting like, oh, I don't know if it's going to happen. Okay, it's still going to happen. Oh, I don't know if God, okay, it's going to happen. And then we get to Joseph, and we're like, wow, there's no way this is going to happen. Surely God's plan is going to fail. And we get to chapter 28. Now, um, here's what I want you to do. If you have a Bible with you, we're going to be flipping along through a lot of the Bible, okay? So just hang in there with me, and we're going to flip through because I want you to see it. All right, but we're just going to read one verse as a launching pad out of Genesis 28 to kind of wrap up the story of Jacob and move into the story of Joseph. So we're going to be in Genesis 28, and we're just going to read verse 15. All right, Genesis chapter 28, and we're going to read verse 15. If you're there, say, I'm there. there. All right, Genesis 28, verse 15. Here we go. God says, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I've promised. I love that last part. If you're taking notes, underline that last part. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I can't help but think somebody needs to hear that today, right? That somebody needs to hear that God is not going to leave you until it's done, until he has completed the work that he has. So I want you to know this is really important because we're about to get to the story of Joseph where things start to unravel and go crazy, but God made a promise. And God promised, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to abandon this plan until everything I've promised has come to fruition. And so that's the type of God this is. So guys, listen, before we talk about Joey, Joseph, let's talk about God. All right, this is who God is. God is a promise maker and God is a promise keeper. You guys got that? God's a promise maker and God's a promise keeper. So now he's saying this to Jacob. Okay, so we're kind of still in Jacob's story, but uh, Jacob, one, Jacob had these sons, and one of Jacob's sons was Joseph. Everybody say Joseph. Joseph. All right, and that's who we're, that's who we're talking about today, um, and so, so I want you guys to see this. So here's what we're going to do. We are now going to launch from that verse that God makes that promise. He's going to see things through, and we're going to flip all the way to Genesis chapter 37, okay? So we're skipping, so that's the promise that God makes to Jacob at the beginning of Jacob's journey. Jacob has sons, he has Joseph, and we get all the way to chapter 37. Now, here's what's going to happen. I'm just going to read some excerpts of Joseph's life to you, okay? I don't have time to read this entire section, because like I said, it's it's the bulk of the book of Genesis. So here's what I want to encourage you to do today underline things take notes and please go home and read this this week just finish the story like read through all parts of the story because i'm not trying to deceive you i'm not trying to only pick certain things out to fit an agenda i I just for sake of time today we're just going to try to get through it but i want to encourage you read it for yourself okay read read god's word this is good good stuff okay genesis chapter 37 let's start in verse 1 if you're there say i'm there of his father. That's great. Genesis 37, starting in verse 1, it says this. uh, Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Canaan. Uh, These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old. Now, I want you just to to keep that in mind, all right? Underline that, highlight that. Just remember that when we pick up on Joseph's life, he is 17 years old. He was pasturing the flock with his brothers. That means he was a shepherd he was a boy with the sons of Bilha and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel, remember Israel was also Jacob's name. Jacob got a new name, remember last week? And so when you hear Israel, they're also talking about Jacob, same guy. Okay? Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. Here's what that means. Joseph was the baby and got all the attention, okay? That's what that means. I don't know uh, anybody, the baby child, the youngest child, i.e. the favorite, okay yeah so see all the baby children know exactly what that means uh that you're the you're the fave all right As all the oldest children like grumble and complain all right um and so that's that's kind of where we pick up so so jacob is showing favoritism which if you remember jacob's story last week isn't too surprising and uh and he loves joseph right it says and in verse three it says and he made him a robe of many colors now have you guys ever heard of this before this is probably Probably the part that gets the coloring sheet, right? Because it's the coolest to talk to the kids about. You know, Joseph, we don't really, we skip over the whole Jacob showed favoritism and didn't love his other sons as much as he loved uh, the baby child. We skip over that part, but the robe of many colors is pretty, right? And we talk about the robe of many colors. Now, the robe of many colors like, is a, is a coat that Jacob made for Joseph to basically give a visual that Joseph was the chosen one, that Joseph was the favorite, okay? So there need not be any confusion of whether or not the dad, Jacob, played favorites. Let there not be a family meeting about it. Let's make a colorful coat and put it on the child so that all the brothers and everyone knows. Which in today's world, you're just setting them up to be bullied. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you do that, you're just setting them up. And so that, that's what Jacob does. And he gets this robe of many colors. It also is symbolic, like foreshadowing, because it's foreshadowing royalty. Like, this would only be a coat that maybe you would see princes or kings or royalty type wear, okay? So to the brothers, it's annoying. But for us, it's a foreshadow of what, what might be coming in Joseph's life. All right, look at verse 4. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him. Everybody say, shocker. shocker. Yeah, and they could not speak peacefully to him, okay? It's going to be a great Thanksgiving. All right, let's keep let's keep rolling uh in verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream. <laughs> oh, Joey. He had a dream when he and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. Let's find out what this dream was. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Now can't you just imagine Joseph wearing his coat of many colors. He's been being babied all day. You know, spoon fed by Jacob and all this stuff while the brothers are out working. And he says, hey guys you guys gather around, I want to tell you about a dream I had last night. All right, and this is what he says, verse 7. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. You know, somebody really needed to take Joseph aside and be like, dude, there's some things we just keep to ourselves, you know, some things we don't we don't need to share with everybody. Okay? Um. So they hated him even more. And if you guys don't get that, he's using an analogy because they would have gotten that because the sheaves and everything is like where they worked out in the field and the farm and stuff. But he's basically saying um, all of my brothers are going to bow down and worship me. Okay, so... Great, great dream. Uh, then he dreamed another dream. I'm in verse 9. He dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. And behold, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Now, hold up, because I forgot to mention, Joseph had 11 brothers, all right? Um, so they, all of these represent, actually, the 12 tribes of Israel. We'll kinda, we, we don't have time to dive into that today, but um, so you, the 11 stars they would have understood what he was talking about because they represent, who do you think? The brother. Yeah, exactly. All right. So it says um, 11 stars and the 11 stars, guess what they're doing? Bowing down to me. Verse 10, but when he told it to his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? Oh yeah, I guess the, um, uh, the sun and the moon represent mom and dad. And the brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind, okay? So the brothers brush it off, and they're like, oh yeah, we'll headlock him later out in the field. And, uh, but Jacob's like, oh my gosh, this dude's kind of messed up. I've created a monster, all right? So that's kind of what we get. Now I want you to skip down, uh, we're still in uh, chapter 37. I want you to skip down a little bit of ways to verse 23. We're going to kind of, kind of pick up the story. Now, remember, Joseph is telling him, he's wearing his coat of many colors, he's telling them, basically, all of you are going to bow down and, and bow to me, and I'm going to rule over you and, and worship you. And, he, and he's the baby, right? So everybody's like, yeah, okay, whatever. All right, so Genesis 37, let's pick up in verse 23. It says, so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, um, and they took him and threw him into a pit the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat. (laughs) I mean, that's just like, you know, I guess they didn't have a locker to stuff them in. So they just uh, threw them in a pit in the ground and then had a picnic. All right. So that's, that's what's going on here. They sit down to eat. It says in verse 25, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Um, so these are like some wealthy people, kind of like businessmen that are, are headed down to Egypt. Verse 26, then Judah said to his brothers, um, this is like a, one of the brothers, uh, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Let's sell him. I mean, that, talking like an older brother, you know what I mean? Like, what's this going to profit us if he just dies in the pit? Well, we have an opportunity to make some moolah, you know what I mean? And so, so they arise from their picnic, and uh, let's see, we'll see what happens. It says, let not our hand be upon him, because, you know, he's our brother in everything. He's our own flesh, and his brothers listen to him. Then uh, Midianite traders passed by. They drew Joseph up, lifted him out of the pit, sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. Okay? Now, this is a, an amazing part of the story. Now, I want you to remember, it is from this lineage, from these brothers, that God is supposed to bless all the nations. Like, it's from this lineage that God's told Abraham, back in Abraham, as many as stars are in the sky, from all of them as my and all people in all the world, I'm going to bring salvation. I'm going to have all of them as my people. And, uh, and Joseph and his brothers are, are responsible for this lineage. And they're out here, like, doing this. And so now, Joseph, one of them, has been sold... Uh, and, to, and is now being taken away, away from God's people into Egypt. Um, so I, it begs me to ask this question, and if you're taking notes, write this question down. Has your life ever not gone as planned? I know. Yeah, some of you, Chuck, you're like, I ain't writing that down. <laughs> That's right. He said, I'm living it right now, bro. I don't need to write that down. No, listen, for real. Has your life ever not gone as planned? Because right here, what we see is we see that God had a plan. Remember we read in Genesis 28, God said, I've got a plan and I'm going to see it to fruition. I'm going to fulfill it. And God has this plan. And now all of a sudden, in one moment, doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong, Joseph is is on a camel on his way to Egypt. And this is breaking up all of what God had planned. In this moment, and have, have you ever felt that way, that you felt like God had a plan for your life, that you felt like something was going to happen, and then something happened that derailed it, and you just felt like in that moment it's over. Like there's no way God can redeem this. My life is over. You know, and it's all sorts of things. Like we experience that a lot in some of the work our church does with our local pregnancy center. and people come in and they're, they're experiencing an unexpected pregnancy, and, and we hear that phrase time and time again, uh, my life is over, life is different, it's going to be different, it's going to change. And, and they're, they're debating about what to do about that because, because they just feel like, man, in an instance, this, this doesn't look promising, this isn't the way I planned it. Or maybe uh, you're in a boat, another thing we see here is, is, have you ever been deeply hurt by someone that you loved? Right? I mean, think about the brothers, were deeply hurt by Joseph because Joseph is telling them, you're all going to bow down and worship me, right? And, uh, and then Jacob hears it and is like, oh my gosh, I've created a monster because now my youngest son thinks I'm going to bow down and worship him, which in this culture would have been absolutely unheard of because you would only bring honor to your father. And then like you see the brothers sell their baby brother into slavery and say, go to Egypt, Joseph. Get, got him out of here. See you later. And he's gone. Think about the family drama. Like, you think your family group texts have drama in them. Like, you don't know nothing, right, about this. I mean, this is crazy stuff. And so we see that, like, man, this is just part of human existence. All right, let's, let's flip over a few chapters, and let's go to chapter 41. Again, I don't have time to hit We're skipping some really good stories, okay? Um, well, I don't know if I would say good, but some uh, big stories. All right, but you go back and read them, but for sake of time, we're going to skip over to verse, uh, chapter 41. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to breeze through, and I'm just going to give you a summation of the story of Joseph from here, of what happens next, okay? So in Genesis chapter 41, what we see is that um, Joseph is in prison in Egypt. And while he's in prison, God begins to give him this gift to be able to interpret dreams. And so while Joseph is in prison, he is he is now all of a sudden being able to interpret these dreams and eventually he is brought to the pharaoh who is like you know he's the pharaoh's the king pharaoh's the guy in charge and and Pharaoh starts having these dreams and he's like, I need someone to interpret them. Now you have to understand in this culture and in actually many other cultures around the world still today, dreams are a really big deal. Dreams are a lot of ways of how they, they believe, like need interpretation because God is speaking to them. And so, so this happens and Pharaoh has dreams. Joseph is able to go get Joseph out of the prison cell. They bring him before Pharaoh and, uh, and Joseph is able to interpret Pharaoh's dream. Now here's, here's the dream. Okay, Um, basically what happens is Joseph says the interpretation of your dream is that our land is going to have seven years of abundance. So Egypt is going to experience seven years of just prosperity and abundance, and we are going to have more than enough food, and we are going to have all so much livestock, and it's just going to be, whoo, like good, let the good times roll. Like we're going to have a great time for seven years, but then there's going to be seven years of famine. And a famine just means living in a period where there's no food, no water. And so, so he says, we're going to have seven years of abundance, but then we're going to have seven years of famine and need and desire. And so, um, so Pharaoh is like, wow, I can't believe that. He interpreted my dream. And so he puts Joseph in charge. And he says, all right, Joseph, you're going to oversee the next 14 years, all right? You're going to oversee what's going to happen because it's obvious that God is with you. Like, it's very clear that this isn't you, this isn't normal, this is the power of God. So he places Joseph into a position where only one person is more powerful than Joseph, and that's the Pharaoh. Like, Joseph is now the second most powerful person in Egypt. Isn't that crazy? To in a day, to go from a brother who was trafficked, sold into slavery, taken down to Egypt, put in a prison cell, and now you're the vice president. Like, isn't that crazy? Like, now you're second in command. That's not a great analogy, because our VP doesn't really do much. But anyway, you get the point. Sorry, I'm a poly sci guy. So, so he, he's more powerful, right? And so here's what happens. Everyone, as Joseph comes and he's, he got, they get the seven years of prosperity and seven years of all of this stuff. And so during the prosperity, Joseph directs them to store up. So they're storing up all of this food and they're being wise and they're taking all the food and all the things and they're storing up, preparing for the seven years of famine. Okay? And so that's what happens. The famine hits seven years later. Sure enough, um, God was true to his word. There was a famine that hit and Joseph oversees the food distribution. And so if you're hungry and you're starving and you can't find food anywhere and it's in the middle of a famine, you're going to be really grateful. So everyone's coming to Joseph and you know what they're doing before they get their food? They're bowing down to Joseph. All right, He is like their king, their ruler, like their savior because he's literally providing the very thing they need that's going to give them life and so they're bowing down and praising joseph as that okay so um, rewind go back Um, jacob and his sons are still back in canaan they're still back in their land and uh, the famine has now reached to them And so the famine has reached all the way from Egypt to them, and they don't have any food. So they say, you know what? Let's go to the big city. Let's head down to Egypt and see if they have any food. And so Jacob sends Joseph's brothers, the other 11 brothers, and they end up in Egypt looking for food during the famine. And so guess who they run into? Joseph. And they sit there and they answer to Joseph. But here's the kicker. They don't know it's Joseph. Because the last they saw of Joseph years ago, he was wearing a a rainbow coat in a pit, and they pick him up out of the pit and sell him and send him off to Egypt. And in fact, they made up this whole story to Jacob that um, you know they took his coat and they they dipped it in blood and brought it back to Jacob, made up this whole story. Basically, he got attacked by an animal or was killed and um, meant for food. They all think that Joseph is dead. So now they wind up to Egypt and they're looking for... food and they end up with Joseph and guess what they do when they reach Joseph they bow down to him And so here we have a culmination of not only apparently uh, can Joseph interpret dreams, but he has them too. And Joseph has these dreams, and the dreams that he had years ago come true, and his brothers are are dependent on him, bowing down to him, dependent on him for their food and for life. So um, that kind of gets us through a couple of chapters. Flip over with me to uh, chapter 46. I just want you guys to kind of see and get used to flipping through your Bible. And so um, in, uh, in chapter 46, uh, Joseph um, brings his, his family to Egypt, and they are ultimately reunited with his father, Jacob. And, um, and so if you keep going, chapters 47 48, Joseph and his family um, are given uh, land and provision and end up staying in Egypt. Okay? So Joseph gets reunited with Jacob, um, and then basically they all get to relocate to Egypt. Um, and then let's go to chapter 49. I'm, I know I'm breezing through this with you, but we get to chapter 49, and uh, Jacob starts to hand out the blessings. Now remember, Jacob and blessings have a history, all right? So Jacob knows what this entails and what this means. Um, but Jacob blesses Joseph. And uh, in this chapter, and says that the promises of God to bring salvation to the world are going to be continued, carried out through Joseph. And, uh, and so what we have here is this incredible story of Joseph um, getting stuck in Egypt, uh, brothers come. Joseph does provide for his brothers, okay? So I don't want you to think, oh, Joseph, you know, abandoned them. That's I, I, probably what I would have done. I've got some petty in me, so I probably would have abandoned them a little bit. Uh, but Joseph doesn't do that. He provides, he provides, plays a little trick on them a little bit, gets them back a little bit in a brotherly way. And uh, and then, they, but the point is, they all end up in Egypt. Now, I want you to remember, this isn't, this isn't the promised land. This isn't where they were supposed to, to be. This isn't where God's people were going to end up, but remember in Genesis 28, God made a promise that he said, I'm going to see my plan through. Nothing's going to stop this plan that I have to bring salvation to all the world, to all the nations, all right? So, uh, so let's pick up, and now we're, we're going to read some more, but let's go to Genesis chapter 50, all right? We made it all the way to the last chapter, Genesis chapter 50. And we're going to pick up in verse 15. All right? So I want you to flip in your Bible. We're going we're to read some scripture now. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. If you're there, say, I'm there. Okay. Verse 15, it says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, oh yeah, Jacob died, they said, <laughs> spoiler, it may be it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. Smart guys. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave, (laughs) daddy said, gave this command before he died, say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. Church, look up at me for a second. Listen to me. What we're about to read is one of the most important verses in all of Scripture. Listen to this in verse 19. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me. But God, everybody say, but God, come on, meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Isn't that amazing? But I want you guys to look at verse 20 with me, where Joseph makes this amazing statement of truth. He says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Guys, that is the story of who God is. And that is the story of the Bible. That even though evil comes, and even though bad stuff happens, God means it for good. God can take the ugliest of ugly and turn it into beauty. God can take the worst of the worst and turn it into the best. Like, God is powerful enough to take everything that is wrong and make it right. Like, this is who God is. This is His character. This is His power. This is who He is. And so I want you to see, like, who Christ is through this. And so flip with me to another verse. We're going to the New Testament. I want you to go to the book of Acts with me. And we're going to go to Acts chapter 13. So turn there or scroll there with me. Acts chapter 13. And in Acts chapter 13, verse 23, look at what it says. It says, Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus as he promised so guys we see all the way from genesis 50 all the way to acts chapter 13 that it says man it is from the offspring of abraham it is from all the way the book of genesis that god has brought to us a savior and he names the savior he doesn't say he's brought to us a savior joseph who died And we should go dig them up. He doesn't say God brought to us a savior, Jacob, who was a deceiver and and grabbed heels he doesn't say god brought to us a savior abraham who got in all sorts of drama and trouble when he was on the earth he doesn't say god brought to us a savior noah who yeah he had the whole ark thing then he ended up drunk in a tent with some family members and blew that up like like that's i know the bible has got crazy stuff in it like this is he doesn't say that he says that God's going to provide a Savior whose name is Jesus. Because Jesus is perfect. Jesus is the perfect culmination of everything these guys in the Old Testament couldn't fulfill. Like Joseph was not good enough to fulfill God's promise. Noah, not good enough to fulfill God's promise. Abraham, not good enough. Jacob, not good enough. Only Jesus. And so guys, that's why we make Jesus a big deal around here, because there is nobody else on earth or in heaven that can save us. Nobody. There is no one that can meet you in your most desperate time of need and do anything about it other than Jesus. Like there is no other name that carries power with it That causes supernatural demons that we can't even see to flee the room when his name is mentioned. Like there is no other name that you can mention that changes lives from every language on the face of the planet. Like there is no other name that for thousands of years has been changing billions of hearts other than Jesus. This is it. And so God did it. But I want you to see that it wasn't for naught. It wasn't always easy. Because see, Jesus came and he suffered hardship too. And he suffered evil too. And I got to think the disciples when they sat back and they watched, well, the ones who didn't run away scared, watched them drive nails into the hands of Jesus and the feet of Jesus and lift up the cross and when they maybe they still thought okay Jesus is going to call down angels and he's going to get off the cross and he's going to say ha just kidding everybody and he's going to reign as the king of Israel and he's going to do all of this like maybe it was when he took his last breath and they jammed a spear in his side just to make sure that he was physically dead they must have thought god went back On his promise. See, guys, that was evil. What they did to Jesus, we look at it retrospectively as good because it provided our salvation. But, guys, there is nothing pretty about crucifixion, it is a dirty, miserable, disgusting, um, humiliating murder instrument. And there's nothing pretty about it. And I can't help but to look at Jesus and think Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive. Right? Do you see Jesus right here in the story? That Joseph did that, but people still died. And people still didn't know Jesus. But when Jesus did it, now you can have eternal life. Now you can never die. You can live with God forever. Man, Joseph suffered and Christ suffered. (laughs) Joseph was raised up to second in command, but Christ was raised up from the dead to reign victorious over heaven and earth for all of time. So I want to leave you today with a few notes I'm going to breeze through of what this story teaches us about God and then what it may mean for us and how we can, how we can live differently. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. What does Joseph's story teach us about God? Well, number one, it teaches us that God's power is displayed in our weakness. Number one, it teaches us that God's power is displayed in our weakness. See, guys, we think that God's power is only displayed when we are powerful. But can I just tell you that when you are being powerful for yourself, God sits it out. Kind of like when uh, when I've got my little kiddos, right? And they're like, no, let me do it, let me do it, let me do it. There comes a time that I just let them do it. Because there's no other way that they're going to learn that I'm the only one that can help them with that. That eventually they have to try it and realize that they're too weak and they can't do it and they need my help. And guys, that's how God chooses to interact with us sometimes. Is that sometimes we're going, no God, I got this, I'll do it, I'll take care of it, let me have it, I got this, and God says, okay. The good news is that God is a loving Father who stands right there and picks you up before you can fall or sometimes lets you fall and then picks you up and says, are you weak? And we're crying and we're sad and we're going, yes, we're weak. And he says, great, can I do it for you? Because God's power is perfected in our weakness. First Corinthians 12, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 12 talks about that. Um, I remember one time um, before I had my second back surgery, I was discouraged, I was depressed, I was disappointed, and I was in incredible pain. And I remember sitting down with a friend, and uh, he said, "So how you doing?" And I looked at him and I said, "I'm just so weak." And I meant weak physically, and I meant weak emotionally, and I meant weak spiritually. And I meant weak mentally. And he looked at me and said, isn't that something? He said, isn't it crazy to think that you're always that weak? Because guys, our need for Christ now you're more aware of it. And I thought, yeah. Because guys, our need for Christ never takes a vacation. We always need Christ. It's just sometimes he makes us more aware of it than we usually are. He lets those bad things happen so that he can bring good from it. And we saw that in Joseph's story of how God did that. Number two, write this down. We see that God's promises always come with God's provision. God's promises always come with God's provision. And I'm just telling you, I'm not just saying that because it sounded good. I'm telling you that because me and my family have lived it. Every time God has told us to do something, and every time God has made a promise, God has always provided. Always. And it has always been different from what I wanted, and it has always been more than I thought I needed. God always promises, and he always provides. In fact, one of my favorite quotes by a guy named Hudson Taylor. He was a missionary to China. And he said, God's work done in God's way will never lack god's supply god's work done in god's way will never lack god's supply Um, here's number three we learn about god through the story of joseph we learn that god is faithful to keep his promises we learn that god is faithful to keep his promises That even though Joseph's brothers messed it up and Jacob was a deceiver and a heel grabber and even though Abraham did stuff to mess things up and Noah messed things up, even though all these humans messed things up, God's faithfulness did not depend on our faithfulness. Come on, somebody need to hear that again? I said God's faithfulness does not depend on our faithfulness. That means that even when you are unfaithful to Him, He is still being faithful to you because He cannot deny who He is. That means that God will keep His promises to you even when we try to mess it up. Guys, I don't always keep my promises. I probably made a lot of promises to Ellen the, uh, the whole like four months we dated. Okay? Probably comparatively. Okay? Probably made a lot of promises to Ellen. And I'm glad, well, I don't know if she wrote them down or not, but I'm glad she hasn't brought them back out after 11 and a half years. Because I guarantee you there's a lot of promises, if not all of them, that in some way, shape, or form, I have broken. See, guys, sometimes I overpromise and underdeliver. And honestly, when I say sometimes, I mean sometimes every day that happens. But guys, our God... Our God is a promise maker, and He's a promise keeper. He's the only one who can overpromise you something and then actually overdeliver on His overpromise. So God is faithful to keep His promises, just like He did through Genesis. And here's the last one, number four. Write this down: God is in complete control, even in chaos. God is in complete control, even in chaos. We would use a big theological word called sovereign. Sovereign just means in complete control. So guys, even though there is so much sin in the world, even though there is so much suffering in the world, even though there is so much war and sadness in the world and brokenness in the world, hear me say this, church, God is still in control. He's not just on his throne as a passive king. God is actively controlling everything on planet Earth. And not just this planet, but every planet, and every star, and every shooting star, and every blade of grass, and every ounce of creation, and every angel in heaven, and every single thing God is actively in full, utter control over. This means that only God is able to take something so evil and hard in your life and make it good. Only God is able to do that. But this requires trust. That we have to give up, surrender, and trust in his complete control. What you meant for my harm, Joseph said, God has turned to my so I'll invite the worship team to come up but I got four more things I want you to write down is now what do we do like how do we relate to what Joseph said to what Joseph did in his story and really throughout the book of Genesis like how do we relate number one write this down Joseph suffered for his faithfulness and so will we Joseph suffered for his faithfulness, and we will too. Guys, if you remain faithful to Jesus, it is not always going to be cupcakes and butterflies. There are going to be really hard days. There are going to be days that you just have mental health days and go, man, I feel like junk today, and I don't know why. I've prayed, I've read my Bible, I went to church, I've listened to worship songs, and I just can't get out of the funk. And in that day, you're going to, but you're going to remind yourself, but what this mental health has meant for my harm, God is going to bring for my good. And you're going to know that that's just the truth of who he is. And that when we remain faithful, sometimes we will still suffer. And, but that through the bad, God will bring good. Number two, write this down, that we can't flourish apart from community. We can't flourish apart from community. Community with God and community with other people. See, guys, God brings relationships in your life just like God brought relationships back into Joseph's life. God didn't keep Joseph distant from his family. God brought reconciliation to his family. Guys, sometimes that looks in lots of different ways. And sometimes it's not safe to have full physical reconciliation but I want you to hear me say you are not made to be isolated and alone. You are made to live out this Christian life, this faithfulness in community with other believers. That doesn't mean you just show up to community group. It means you're an active participant in the community that you're a part of. That means that you receive accountability because you know it's making you more like Jesus, even though it's making you mad. It means that you receive encouragement even though you want to deflect it because you know it will humble you and bring you low. And it means that you encourage other people and you speak words of life to other people and you show up because sometimes just your presence sitting next to somebody is exactly the good that God is going to bring from something hard going on in their life. Here's number three. Write this down. God turns our mess into His message. That relationship you're going through that's really hard. Those marriage problems. Not getting that promotion. Feeling like you can't find a job. Trying to get pregnant. Diagnosed with a disease. Knowing you're going to have to move feeling uh, like you've ruined something, going through a divorce, a separation, um, older children straying away from God, the things that look really messy that you try really hard to cover up when when we come into the presence of God, God already knows your mess. You ain't got to cover anything up. It's like spraying air freshener in a bathroom. Come on. You ain't covering anything up. And, guys, that's what we do when we show up to church and we try to cover up our mess. We're not doing any good. We're just walking around. We just stink even more. Guys, God loves to take your mess and turn it into a message. But it takes time. So, I need you not to give up. I need you to stay the course. I need you to stay faithful to the Lord because He's not done. He is not done. Our sin is not the end of the story. Just like the death of Jesus was not the end of his story. Jesus rose again. And your sin and your disobedience to God is not the end of the story. You take that sin, you take that disobedience, you take it to Jesus, you receive His forgiveness, you let Him make you new, give you a heart that wants to obey Him. He resurrects you, gives you new life. You get to walk with Jesus. I mean, come on. He loves to take our messes and turn them into a message that shows the rest of the world that your sin, your brokenness is not the period of your story, that there is more. There is an eternity more when we follow Jesus. Here's the last thing, and you guys need to write this down. We get to be a part of God's story of salvation. We get to be a part of it. Joseph got to be a part of it. Joseph got to be used by God to bring about the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And guys, we get to be a part of it too because God is still saving the planet. He, He is not done fulfilling His promise. We still have unreached people groups in the world. We still have people in Fredericksburg from other countries who have never heard the name of Jesus before. We still have people in our county who don't know Jesus. We still have people in northern Virginia from all over the world who if they died today, they would not spend an eternity with Jesus. Guys, the job is not done. The story has not completed. God is still writing the story and you, no matter how broken, no matter how messed up you feel like you are, no matter how much you think you don't know and how unprepared you are, you get to be a part of finishing this story. We are starting this church to be a part of God's plan to bring salvation to the nation. Like, we're not here playing church. There are so many other places we can go and play church. We are not here to play church. We are here like Joseph to be a part of God's story, to bring redemption to one life at a time so that one day people from every nation, language, tribe, and tongue will stand before the throne and they will not bow down to Joseph. They will bow down to the Lord Jesus, who is the good provider, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who died on the cross but rose from the dead. And we want that and we want that for our city and we want that for the nations. And we get to be a part of that. So don't you think you come in here and you just go to this church? No, you're a part of a big thing. You're a part of a big honking deal. You're a part of God fulfilling His promise from Genesis to to reach every nation, tribe, and tongue with the good news that Jesus is alive. There is a better Noah, a better Abraham, a better Adam, a better Joseph. There is King Jesus. So I want you guys to see this image and this is how I'll end today. I want you guys to look and see this picture. And we talk about when God says, when Joseph says, what you meant for my harm, God has brought for my good. We see Jesus on the cross. And when you think what you're going through, how could God let me face this? How could God do such evil in the world? how how, if God's really real then why is there so much brokenness and evil just ask yourself. that's not the right question the question is if God is so good how could he hang his son on a cross to die that's the real question and the reason is because he knew that what we did for harm for killing Jesus look at the next picture God would bring for good Because three days later there would be an empty tomb where his body would not stay, but he would resurrect to show that the book of Genesis is true. It is real. There is a Messiah. He has been sent. He is coming back. And we get to be a part of sharing that story to the nations. So let God use your mess for a message today. Let God take what you think is really hard and let him resurrect it today, because that is who he is. Let's pray together. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church sermon podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.